0: Welcome to the Cool Explorations Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Peters. Today we will be interviewing Dr. Rob Kelly of the Rob Kelly Recovery Group. Uh, Rob Kelly and his recovery group, they help people get through addiction and get to a place in their life where they no longer feel that they are uh, needing that addiction and they can get past that. So it's very important work that they do. And you can check them out at robkelly.com. That's Rob, R-O-B-B, Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y dot com. Subscribe to this podcast to get exclusive access to the after show Shooting the Breeze. So today we have Rob Kelly from the Rob Kelly Recovery Group. Uh, He's going to be talking about uh, addiction and uh, the treatment plans that they use. So with that, why don't you uh, introduce us to yourself? Just tell us briefly about what you do and who you are. Oh, no
1: problems. Thank you, Tony. My name is Rob Kelly. I'm a P- double PhD. I uh, work in the addiction field. We have a, a private concierge addiction company. It's 98% tally health, And uh, we've been doing this for over 20 years, I think. So, yeah, I really enjoy it. I have lots of people. Worked with around 7,000 people over that period. And uh, just love what we do because we do what we love.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And the work you do is very important. It's something that. Uh society needs desperately right now. So um, thank you for doing that, th- that work. Um, I would love to hear your testimony and how God's currently working in your life and how he brought you
1: into uh, the work that you do. Wow, okay, I'm we'll gonna try and cram this in real quick because uh, it'll take about two hours usually. Um, well, I, I took my first drink at the age of nine. I was, I was a choir boy at the time. Unfortunately, I got molested by my choir master. And it uh, kind of turned me away from the church, completely with God, uh, and religion as a whole. I'm still not re- religious, I'm, I'm spiritual, which I'm going to, but yeah, I mean, over a period of time, alcohol just took control of me. What I know now, but they know then, it's a predisposition. I was passing this down from generations and generations. So when I took that first pre-development, all, all bets were off. It was always going to end two ways. I was either going to get help, I was going to die. And uh, you know, along the way, I thought lots of things would stop me drinking. I thought getting married would stop me drinking. It didn't happen. First child didn't happen. Second child didn't happen. <clears throat> and uh, it was just, it was just out of control. Towards the end, you know, I put some, I put my kids in dangerous situations, as if young infants, as in one or three, they were at the time when it really got bad. I'd leave them in cinemas when I come out to get a drink and find out. I had to drive six miles to the nearest liquor store, off-license drive back, and all the lights in the city was on. The police were there because I'd left these two young babies. It was just absolutely a nightmare. I was out of control. You know, I'd hurt my wife. I stabbed her three times one night because she let me finish drinking my bottle of vodka. And it was just not like me. I was like the devil was in me. and You know, I was going to die. So, <clears throat> unfortunately, uh, or as I say now, fortunately, uh, my kids went, my wife went, the house, cars, holiday home, business, Mom and dad won't speak to me, sister and brother told me, and before I'm in a blink of an eye, I've lost the big house and the cars and I was sat on the streets homeless for the first time in my life thinking what the hell just went wrong. Still didn't think I had a problem though. I stayed on the streets for 14 months. Um, Robbing, stealing, hurting people, stealing wallets, stealing money off them, and uh, lived in Piccadilly Gardens for, for 14 months. And then <clears throat> one day, I, uh, well, one evening, should I say, Sunday night, Monday morning, about two ish maybe, was walking around the industrial estate in uh, central Manchester. There's nobody there, no people, no cars. Uh, it was pouring down. I was coming out of a blackout. I dropped down to my hands and knees. And I started to cry like a baby. I wasn't crying because I'd lost my wife, my kids, my houses, my money, all my family. I wasn't crying because of that. I was crying because the first time in my life I realised that I couldn't stop drinking. And it took all of that for me to realise. So what I did is when I was on my knees, I was crying. And I don't know why, Tony, I don't know why to this day, but I looked up to the sky and I said, if there's a God up there, I can't do this on my own anymore, and I was—I really meant it. I mean, I was gone. Five suicide attempts on two occasions. It worked. I was dead, you know, and it brought me back to life again. And uh, thirty seconds later, a guy walked around the corner with a Bible in his hand. He'd missed his last bus home from a late Bible study, so he walked like an hour to pass me on a route he doesn't usually go, because he always catches the bus. Finds me, asks me do I want help. I said yes. He's a recovering alcoholic. He took me back to his house and a And he let me stay there. And that is where my journey started. So that was, uh, that was my awakening. Well, I thought that was my awakening, Tony. It wasn't. That was just somebody getting me to a safe place. Because he said to me, uh, You can stay here for as long as you want, but you need to come to these 12 step meetings. Well, I've been to these meetings before and it's horrible. Absolutely horrible. But uh, I went because, you know, it was a dry bed. And there I met a guy called Johnny, who called him a recovered alcoholic. And um, I uh, asked him to sponsor me. And he said, no, but I'll be your spiritual advisor for a period of uh, 12 weeks, which really, um, really intrigued me. But every single Wednesday night, um, I used to go to his house, I'd spend an hour walking to his house, spending an hour walking back. <clears throat> and he taught me stuff, he taught me about God, he taught me about sobriety, he taught me about, you know, being chosen and being, you know, the guy. And uh, he told me after the 12 weeks of walking there, so that's 12 times he watched his apartment, 12 times I've walked back. And he said, <clears throat> um, you're gonna change the world, you, that different for tomorrow, life's gonna get be better from tomorrow. After the <laughs> there's no way I live in this guy's house, Derek, and I live in his basement on a blow up mattress, there's no ways they're going to change. But the very next day, I uh I got part time job from Derek where he worked, and the day after that, or the day after that, turned into a full time job. Later, that was during the second week, somebody gave me a car to drive around in. So when I got my first pay packet. My life had changed and uh, <clears throat> I went to the gas station or petrol station and I bought a little card and a little teddy bear so I could afford a little teddy bear and I wrote on it, thank you John for introducing me to God and God took the compulsion to drink away and I walked back to his house and when I got to his apartment, <clears throat> there was nobody there. It looked as if it was just dark. So I was knocking on the door like I'd done 12 times before and the next door, maybe Navy came out on the right side. He says, can I help you? And I said, can you tell me where John's relocated to? And she said, John has been in no one in that apartment for at least six months that I know of, or three months. So I let wow. her close the door. I oh, thought, she's crazy. So I knocked on the left-hand side, and the guy comes up to the door. He said, can you tell me where John's relocated to? He said, John. I said, yeah, John, who's living next door? He said, let me tell you something. That apartment's been empty for at least a year. It's derelict. You can't go in it. I was stood there going, what? Is this a joke? I was expected to come out of a dream. I went back to that meeting I first met him and I said to the chairman, Do you remember speaking to John over in the coffee machine? And he smiled. And I think, What are you smiling at? And someone else chuckled, What's going on, guys? You know, you must know John. And he said, First of all, we don't know John, never heard of him. And secondly, you were opening the coffee machine and speaking to yourself, never found that man. Wow, yeah, but what he taught me and created is part of what I do today with Rob Kelly Recovery Group. Is we cover away from twisting therapy, so we use oral science and spiritual connections to recover from anything alcohol, drugs, cake, food, uh, porn, um, trauma, anything it's just crazy. How we do that,
0: yeah. We, uh, I had on a or an addiction specialist as one of my early interviews. And, uh, it was very enlightening, the the different work that, that goes involved behind that and and the molestation. I understand. I relate to that because I was molested twice as a child. So I, I very much understand that part. And I understand the God moments as well, because I was on my knees and I was going to kill myself when I was, uh, 17 or 18. And, uh, I just had this moment where I was fighting with God, trying to, um, trying to kill myself. And I felt this pressure on my wrist that just prevented me from doing it until, until I collapsed. And, uh, then a voice in my head said, what are you doing? I love you. And it was at that moment that I decided to go to Bible school. And, uh, it really changed my life and and god does intervene and and in those kind of ways so i i I understand that you know god is is powerful and he he manifests himself in so many different ways to us and we just have to pay attention and, and and listen and be willing to do that um so i'm really interested in exactly what you guys do what's what's the treatment plan that goes into helping people um beat their addiction, and get back to a normal life?
1: Well, what we do is we use neuroscience, which uh, a lot of people don't. So that's a big plus for us. Uh, And we use behavioral science, which is also a good plus. But we're also adamant that if you don't have the spiritual awakening, um, you know, and that change of thought patterns, that you will drink again. Those guys that have that won't drink again. So that's how we do it. It's a 90 day program. It's one hour a day, Tally Health. And we're very passionate about what we do. We have a 97% success rate. And uh, yeah, really proud, really just, you know, excited. We have four offices around the world and uh, just love what we do and really do. I I think most of it as well is passion. None of my guys think this is a job. Everyone thinks it's a passion. You know and they care we care about the clients we care about the patients and we really just make sure that they want to get well and uh, just love life because that's what it's about it's about loving life really. you know stop worrying about what's going to be um uh, start worrying about what kind of life goes you, because it is an amazing life no doubt about that
0: yeah for sure um and what made you decide to get your PhD in psychology? Um, and how did that kind of change your life and, and your direction?
1: Well, it's more about, um, I was always intrigued with the mind. I knew my uncle had a drink problem. and knew he drank too much. And uh, I just, I don't know. I just, the mind goes intrigued me. So that's why I took psychology at school, but I didn't do anything with it. Because when I first left college, I joined the police forces. So it didn't really have any bearing on what I was doing then, But eventually I got back into, you know, I got back into all the uh, all the psychology of everything. It's just phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I just love it. I just intrigued with the mind.
0: Yeah, we don't understand very much about the mind, really. Like when you think about all the things the brain can do, we don't understand those functions. So it, it's a big subject and uh yes area um changing gears a little bit uh what about your your time being homeless uh and that battle with addiction uh how did you eventually come to a point where you really just overcame that and you were able to to really get back on track was it just that that god moment or was there something more
1: to it as well no i think well i think it was the god moment and i think once you get. Um... <laughs> focused on recovery as a whole and really think it's possible that's the other big thing as well because I didn't think it's possible and I think that God revealed who I really am because we never know who we are we think we do but we don't we never we never see ourselves as other people see see us so it was really important I believed in that it's really important I believed in John and what he was doing and uh life took off you know like I really started getting into it and I just Started to love life for the first time ever, you know. So yeah, it was uh, it was phenomenal. Uh, you also
0: had a little bit of time as a musician. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I was I was on stage at nine and playing bass guitar since the age of I don't know four, maybe five. So my auntie and uncle were always going out as a duo playing clubs and pubs. So when I was about nine they said to me, hey, come and join the band. And that's what I did. And that's when I took my first drink. But I always wanted to be a professional musician. And I was always more talented enough because I'd spend all day with the guitar strapped around uh, my neck. But I took to using like other people tech to decorating or mechanics. I can't pick a car, I can't decorate, but I can pick any musical instrument up and play. Bagpipes, doesn't so no matter what it is, I'll get a tune out of it. So. Uh, I got a job first of all at a place called Strawberry Studios, which 10cc own and run. Uh, They had a few hits over here, they were huge in the UK. Uh, And I started doing session work, which is going in and doing the bass track for recordings or TV commercials, especially radio commercials. Before we had all the computers, you'd actually go in and play these tracks separately. And that's what I did. And what I found out, Tony, is that I was getting paid treble the amount I was getting paid for a gig, so I didn't have to leave the house, I didn't have to load all the stuff, I didn't have to drive there, play for three hours, drive all the way home get into bed by 2am, I was getting two or three, four five, sometimes ten, ten as much as I've been doing, and I was working in a studio, a nice warm studio, a nice See, you know, it was phenomenal. So while I was doing that, I, uh, I saw, after about a year, I saw uh, an ad for bass player, Abbey Road, the famous Abbey Road, and I applied for it, and eventually I got the job. Um, and I played with Elk John, David Bowie, Queen, all those guys. And the money I get from there, I got myself through college. So it's a great time of my life.
0: Yeah, that uh, is exciting. It's also a lot of <laughs> pressure. I know that it, it puts on you. So if you're having problems with drinking, that probably the pressure probably didn't help, did it?
1: Oh, it was worse. That's where my alcohol and drug abuse took off to the highest degree. Yeah. It was right there. It was just uh yeah. That wasn't a good uh, that wasn't a good thing for my uh my alcoholism for sure, you know, but uh yeah, it had to come to fruition sooner or later. So it might as well have been I think I'm the only musician in history that got fired for being drunk every day, I think. <laughs> that's a prerequisite usually. <laughs> yeah, I I think
0: that's the story sadly with a lot of uh artists that, that are out there. Um sadly that that's kind of the culture that goes with it yeah um it's yeah. kind of like smoking with, with chefs a lot of them smoke because there's so much pressure and yeah. a little bit of nicotine helps them exactly. or they they think it helps them <laughs> um how have you seen god at work throughout this whole process in your life and bringing you to where you are now oh my goodness
1: why don't smoke me that one <laughs> yeah. 95% of what I do, what I teach, how I get people to learn God, which came from John, you know, direct um, link, I think, I think John was an angel, uh, and what I do is miraculous, they tell me, uh, but I know it's not really me. I know that I've been chosen as a vessel, and uh, very successful, I do, because it's God's programme, not my programme, I have to remember that, so every time I see myself on TV, or, you know, commercials, or Wherever it speaks, speaking at large venues, I can remember, this is God, not me. I never, and here's, here's something that freaks me up, that you'll get it, me. I never prepare what I'm going to say for a speech. I did a huge tour on three of us to go on, one before me, then me, then one after me, and they all had these bundles and belts on, because it was like, I don't know, 90, 100,000 people, you know, and there was so many. I was nervous, because I, I didn't have anything, but I never had anything. My idea is when I walk on the stage, God will get me by the time I get to the podium. He has that every single time. But they said to me, Hey, uh, where's your notes? I said, I don't have any notes. I go, You have to have notes, Dr. Rob. You can't, you can't. And they were just aghast. And I'm like, Well, it's not me who's going to speak. So I don't know why I'm worried. So I walked across the stage to the podium. By the time I get to the podium, I always black out. I have no idea what I'm going to say. I say it. And when I come around, he's walking back. there's a standing ovation and i just i just thank god my biggest fear is when i get to a podium one day he's not going to be there that's my biggest fear but he's never let me down yet and and he's always there and he's always comes up with something amazing that someone needs to hear and you know for the viewers and listeners here i really hate to disappoint you but i'm not as clever i'm really not it's all him guiding me and telling me what to say and some of the craziest most quoted lines come out when i say something from blackout on stage i'll say something like we're all all born with million dollar minds stop hanging around 10 cent lines everyone says that's that's genius that i had no idea what just said it was you can't just say that no i just said it and i come up with these well god comes up with these lines and it like it transfixes people and goes, was holy moly i've never heard that before now they're violent God's just gone, boom, drop a bit of knowledge on them, Rob, everything will be good, and that's what I do. So everything I do is God-infused, from mowing the lawn, to looking after my three bulldogs, me and my wife believing God, uh, to everything we have. I have um, died twice <clears throat> since I've been in America 15 years, where my heart stops, and the hospital, when I was in hospital both times, they overdosed me up the second time, which was only about two years ago. Uh, And I was there, so I found me by mistake, my heart going on, it's just, his fingerprints all over his house. There's no doubt about that.
0: Yeah, and I always always say this, it's always God's podcast, it's not my podcast. Yes. Yes. Um, And when I say mine, then I'm just like, okay, God, it's God's podcast, his work. And I always do prayer walks before podcasts, even this morning when it was 9am for me. Uh, I, I, went out for a walk and I like God just speak through us, let it be your words, not, not ours. And, uh, just guide the interview and let it reach at least one person for Christ. Oh. Cause that is my, that is my goal. I want hope and encouragement to be the main focus. And I believe God is the only way to get that. Uh, so I very much understand exactly where you're coming from. And When I do devotions, I have a few points that I take from, from a book. And then the rest I'm just like, "God just speak." And I just speak off the top of my off the top of my head and I believe it's God directing exactly what I'm saying in those in those devotions and I get feedback on the devotions that people are like, "Oh, this one really 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 hit me. I love this one or or I'm glad you' you're, you're taking a little bit from this guy's book and you're expanding on it mm-hmm. uh, because it, it's just phenomenal the way God works. It really is. It's my fault. Yeah, and uh, <coughs> if you could tell us how um, can we help with addicts getting them into a place where God is their center instead of their addiction?
1: Well, when, you, when if you find out anyone suffering addiction, they find start the first part call is dialogue. You know, dialogue with other people. Just share this. Don't keep it to yourself. If you keep it to yourself, you'll do what I did: grow, grow, grow. Alcoholism and addiction are progressive illnesses. They never get any better, they always get worse. Now, you, here's, 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 the, here's the good news, guys, and the bad news. Uh, it's not the knowledge of God that addicts got alcoholics. It's not a belief in God that what what addicts need, it's a relationship with God. So you go to church a hundred times a week. If you haven't got a relationship with God and you're an alcoholic or anything, you're gonna die. That's just my personal opinion. So Start doing the right thing. Have that relationship. If you need to read the Bible, I've never read it. If you need to go to church, I stopped going back in the day. Um, or you need that spiritual connection. Start meditating and talking to God. Meditating and praying. Listening and talking. That's all it is. Listening and talking. Listen. When you, med- when you meditate, talk and you pray. Ask, ask him to save you. Ask him to show you my things. And then if you're a loved one, you need to get into our good. Uh, spiritual stroke, God-based program. i will check into just any treatment center. Most treatment centers don't work. Uh, in my opinion, with my experience as as a, a professional, uh, the medical fraternity, I've not got all the answers, guys. I'm sorry to tell you that, but we haven't. Uh, there has to be God. He will remove the compulsion to drink or use, and then you become a servant of Him. And he will take you to the heights of the height as long as it helps you. Know, you know? So get it done, guys. If you're sat at home, if you're sat at home, you're thinking, oh my god, it's not me, I could never do that. I'm not a leader. Um, I'm not gonna amount to anything. I want to apologise to you. Somebody's put that there. I'm going back to the quote, involved with million dollar lines, everybody's have a couple of kids playing in the yard what what you wanna be jimmy wanna be an astronaut? Why do you don't want to be a driver what happened to them dreams, I'll tell you, family and friends kicked it out of us, that's what happened, oh don't be stupid, you can't, you can't do it, stop believing them, God's got a plan for you when you're working with the kids if you want to be CEO of a company, I'll take you there, you know, if you want like me, homelessness to here, it is humanly impossible, I'm sorry guys, but it is, I had to have contact, God gave me everything I had today, God's senses. And I when I speak, you know, I curse I, you know, and I can hear God say, you know, we've got to speak in their language to get their attention. Because I speak at halfway houses, I speak at you know, down and sheltered. I also speak at Boardroom, you know, Harvard, well, you know, I spoke at all these places, but he gives me that talk for each crowd, you know, to deliver the same message. And that is when you hand your life over to him, amazing things happen. Things of miracles will happen to you, and it's always happens. That's why our program is 97 to 100% success rate. Because it isn't us, guys. Like I say, we wish they were this clever, but it's not. This is our job in in a nutshell. We reach down, we grab the alcoholic or addict from the gutter, and we hand them on to God as quick as we humanly can. And once we do that, and he's got it, and you have the spiritual awakening, and you have the change in your pathways, which is a change of mind, not only will you never drink and use again, but you will go on to help millions of other people with their virtual effect.
0: Yeah, and there's a local uh, group here as well, Rock Solid Refuge, In uh, that they're typically they located in a small community so that these teens, because they're all teens, they have anger problems, some of them have drug or alcohol problems, some kind of issue that needs to be addressed, and they are very, like, god is the focus they teach them school there but they they can't go anywhere because uh it's out in the middle of nowhere and oftentimes the judges said you either go to this place or you're going to a juvenile center and they see a lot of success because they do exactly what you were saying god is the focus and and god helps bring them and guide them in everything that they do and i think that is very important. Um that's a, a great message because for me growing up um after I was molested it it became this this addiction to to porn and masturbation uh, pain um because I, I wanted to just get rid of that that pain that was inside of me and hurting myself was a way to do that um as well as swearing became a big addiction for me just like cursing like crazy because yes. that was the way I expressed myself. Um, and poetry ended up being a huge escape for me in writing, and I felt God in a lot of what I did. Um, so I understand, again, exactly what that was, because without God, I never would have yeah. overcome that. I never would have changed. I would probably still be doing that that same stuff today if it wasn't for the work of God. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. Um, okay. I love it. If you could give one piece of advice for people who are battling addiction, um, what would that
1: that one piece of advice be? I know. So it was- fully recover from this disease. Fully recover. I'm a recovered alcoholic. Recovered doesn't mean cured. It means to gain one's health and state of mind. Addiction. We don't have a drinking problem. We like have a thinking problem. Alcoholics are allergic to the ethanol in alcohol. Drug addiction is slightly different, but we present the same. So the, the, the question is always the answer is always the same, guys. You know, you can recover, just get the right hand, and it will be okay. Hate to spoil the ending for you, but it's gonna be okay. Yeah, yeah I, I, same <clears throat> And it always is. That's crazy, you know.
0: Yeah, and it becomes a for me. It, it became a prayer. Like when the temptation is there, it's like, God, take this temptation away, because I know I can't do it without without God. <laughs> exactly. So thank you for coming on. I I really, really appreciate that. Thank you for tuning into the Cool Explorations podcast, where we have just been interviewing Dr. Rob Kelly and uh, talking about the Rob Kelly Recovery Group, where they do help with addiction. I hope that you'll check out the work that uh, they do there. It's very, very important. And uh, if you are in need of that kind of service, or you know someone who is, this is definitely a group that you should be checking out, and you can check them out at robkelly.com. That's R-O-B-B-K-E-L-L-Y ycom Well, I have just been uh, blessed with so many people who are requesting to be on the show, and I'm impressed with how many people want to share their testimonies or what they're doing uh, for the Lord right now. Uh, if I haven't got back to you, I promise I will get back to you. Uh, I look forward to to speaking with each of you and interviewing you, and uh, keep tuning into the show, there's lots of of new people that are coming on here, and if you're considering wanting to to come on the show, uh, just shoot me an email at tpeters745 at gmail.com, and uh, I will get back to you.